Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 97 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive, literally going into the compliance weeds each week to flesh out a topic. Today, it is Elon Musk, Twitter, corporate governance, and controls. I think you'll find it a fascinating exploration of this ongoing issue. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back with Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, the podcast where we take a deep dive, literally going into the weeds to discuss a compliance or compliance related topic. Today, we're going to take on someone who uses Twitter way too much and uh, needs to learn to keep uh, his finger off the Twitter account. No, we are not talking about Donald Trump. We are talking indeed about Elon Musk. Um, The FUBARs that Mr. Musk has engaged in are numerous and plenty, and I'm sure we'll touch upon them in this podcast. Matt wrote a very thoughtful piece last week entitled The Many Lessons of Elon Musk. So we're going to start with Matt's piece because it really focuses around compliance and control. So Matt, with that very long-winded introduction, uh, welcome. Hello, Tom. Always good to be here. So, uh, Matt, why don't you kind of take us through how we got to the point where you felt like you needed to uh, write a blog post about Musk? Uh, we got here through Elon Musk, um, frankly, being the best show in town for corporate governance enthusiasts. Um, he is the gift that keeps on giving. He started with his now infamous tweet on August 7, where he announced that he had plans to take Tesla private. And he was going to take it private at $420 a share and uh, said that there was funding secured which was an important detail uh, because there was no such funding secured. And when he announced it, that sent uh, Tesla stock price soaring, which definitely would have made all of the short sellers, of whom there are many in Tesla stock, because many people believe Tesla is on shaky financial grounds. Um, That sent the, the short sellers really they got squeezed because the price was rising. So, of course, if you're short on Tesla, then you're going to suffer a loss. Uh, Now, with amazing speed, six weeks later, the SEC had reached a looming settlement with Elon Musk that uh, they would impose new disclosure controls on his social media tweeting. And he was going to step away from the company, I think, step away from being board chairman for two years. And then at the last moment, uh, Elon stepped away from that. Uh, So the SEC then disclosed that they were going to file a suit against him, which, of course, caused a panic in the stock price. So he he and his lawyers came rushing back to say, no, 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 we will settle, except now the SEC wanted to get more of a settlement. So they got him to step away from being chairman of Tesla for three years rather than two. And he and Tesla both would need to pay penalties of $20 million apiece. And Tesla's board needs to bring on two independent directors within 60 days. And also Tesla would need to bring on uh, new disclosure controls for Elon Musk's tweets. And he does tweet all the time, very colorful about it, and he has millions of followers. So uh, that's, that's the setup, at least. That's how we got here. Well, that's that got us up to your blog post, and we'll certainly have to discuss developments after your blog post. But you really looked at this through the lens of uh, socks and yep. uh, 302 controls, and I think uh, 
perhaps one other. Nevertheless, why don't you take us through that uh, discussion? So technically, the violation here was that Elon Musk uh, and what well, is that Tesla's Tesla the company, not necessarily Elon, but Tesla did not have proper 302 controls, which are disclosure controls to ensure that that which you disclose, which is a material fact for investors, is actually true and accurate. Um, and what Elon had tweeted by going public, private at 420 a share and funding secured, none of which seemed to be grounded in reality. Well, if he is shooting off his mouth via Twitter, then really your disclosure controls are faulty. Um, to my sense, I like look this theoretically. This makes a lot of sense because you would not want a CEO to be giving a speech about financial performance or filing a 10K or a 10Q or an earnings release without it going through a rigorous process to make sure that which you are disclosing in those channels, which are material facts for investors, that they're accurate, that they're complete, that that's what Section 302 of SOX requires. And really, what is a tweet except a very, very tiny earnings release or CEO speech or like it's no different than any other disclosure a company would make. So therefore, of course, 302 controls are going to apply. It's all the worse for Tesla because it said in 2013 to investors and filed it with the SEC that Elon Musk's Twitter feed would be used as a formal means to communicate material information to investors. There's nothing wrong with that except for the part that it's got to be accurate and you have to be able to capture all the right information rather than have the CEO shoot his mouth off, which is what Elon Musk was doing. Um, so you know, it, as I said in my post, conceptually, this makes a lot of sense that you'd want 302 controls in place over tweets. On a practical level, I'm not quite sure what that would look like because the whole – the whole purpose of Twitter, though the whole nature of it is that it is um, immediate, it is engaging. If you want to be a good Twitter user, and I like Twitter, I use it all the time, I like to think I'm pretty good with it, you do want to show a certain amount of personality and you do want to respond to things as they're happening. So suddenly it becomes really hard to layer disclosure controls onto a medium like that. Uh, and there's a famous example from Mitt Romney when he ran for president in 2012. He, every tweet that Mitt Romney sent out relevant to the campaign went through 22 different people to review it before it actually hit the tweet waves and went out into the world. Um, that's not conducive to a good, friendly, fun Twitter environment. And so therefore, I'm kind of stuck trying to think of what are the operational controls you'd put into such a fluid means of communication? Um, but that's the technical violation that happened. So then we shouldn't be surprised that the SEC wanted some wanted Tesla to bring in new investor, uh, new independent boards of directors uh, to be able to govern Elon Musk a little bit more thoughtfully. I, I actually think that's the real problem here is that Elon Musk cannot govern himself and his own organization, and the board of Tesla cannot govern him. And that, that was really what got them into the jam that they're in. Well, that really brings us to what I thought was really the fascinating part of your blog post, uh, which was entitled Governance as a 302 Control. And the reason I thought it was so fascinating was certainly took uh, the starting point uh, that you alluded to, 
And now we're talking about a 302 control as really a governance tool. You point out mm-hmm. the problems, but you also point out the, uh, the possibilities. And for every compliance practitioner out there, this is what I would ask you to think about, particularly as Matt has laid it out uh, and even using uh, Steve Jobs as, as part of the example of how you can use a, an existing control that's in place that the company has to comply with as part of your compliance controls. And that's really where I thought this this blog post was innovative. So you want to take us through your governance as a 302 control? Well, yeah, I think that the problem here, the challenge here, is that if the means of communication, Twitter, is really direct contact between your CEO and millions of people, and it is an irrevocable act, once you put out the tweet, the tweet's out, and you can't take it back, you can't unsee the tweet when millions of people are reading it. Um, In that case, really, the only control that's going to work is having a good, level-headed CEO with sound judgment. And that's not Elon Musk. He he doesn't have it. Um, We could talk all about his various other antics, uh, such as when he was smoking a joint during an interview on YouTube, or when he started lobbying, uh, lobbing personal attacks against those cave diver rescuers who saved the 12 boys in Thailand earlier this year, and he was accusing one of being a pedophile or some such thing like that. Totally inappropriate, nothing to do with the company, and nonetheless reflects poorly on the company because it shows the CEO does not have good judgment. Well, who runs, who is the boss of the CEO? The board. So if the CEO lacks good judgment, the board needs to enforce that good judgment upon him or her. Now, Tesla's board was not really doing its its due diligence here or fulfilling its duties to govern Elon Musk. So the CEO, the, the SEC said, bring in two new directors, form a committee that is going to try and address this problem. Because for Tesla, this is now a problem. Their CEO is off the range. Um, you know, it may be 30 years ago before these immediate communication channels existed, it would have been less of a problem because for a CEO really to say something dumb that is also material relevant to investors, like you're going to have to put it into a 10K. And 30 years ago, you had to type them up and carry them over by hand to the SEC. And then reporters would have to write it all up. It would be a very long time frame. There are plenty of ways you could stop a CEO from saying something dumb back then. Um, that all of that is gone today. So the only disclosure control that works on a practical basis is a strong governance structure where a strong board will pound good judgment into the head of the CEO if necessary, which I'm pretty sure is what's necessary here with Elon Musk. The um, remedy that the SEC uh, required and was finally agreed to by Tesla, as you uh, told us, requires uh, uh, Musk to step down two years as the chairman of the board and to bring in the two mm-hmm. new independent directors. But could this settlement really be a catalyst for the company to make these changes, to use 302 as an appropriate uh, governance control for, uh, if not compliance, certainly uh, the way the uh, corporation is, is governed. And if that occurs, could we conclude that the settlement uh, achieved at least a part of its purpose? Well, it's hard to say because I think at a theoretical level, 
the answer to all of that would be yes. But I think in this specific case with Elon Musk, who is such a sui generis sort of example of corporate governance and executive leadership gone awry, I'm not sure. We have to remember that um, when the SEC charged Tesla for that 48-hour period where uh, Tesla originally had a settlement that was about to be announced, and then Elon Musk said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so the SEC charged brought charges against Elon Musk and the company. Uh, Elon apparently called up the board and said, no, 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 either you guys back me on this or I quit. And when I say you back me on this, you have to put out a public statement backing my integrity. And the board did. And it didn't matter because it was 48 hours of chaos where suddenly everybody is already wondering, is this company for real or not? Don't forget, again, that several weeks prior, we saw the head, the new chief accounting officer at Tesla quit after one month. Uh, we saw several other senior executives departing from Tesla. It looked like a train wreck or a nine alarm fire or whatever metaphor you want to use. Then this happens. And here's Elon privately telling the board, either you back me and you put out a statement backing that I have integrity or I quit. And then the board caves in. Uh, so they did, and then it didn't work, and then suddenly Elon Musk and the company are rushing back to the SEC, where they put out a, a press release on the weekend, which I can't remember the last time the SEC did that, to announce that there was, in fact, a settlement that is going to be even worse than what we had proposed two days ago. Like, it, it, total mess. Um, so with Elon Musk in particular, I'm not sure that this settlement is going to achieve what should be the goal, which is a well-run company for Tesla investors. Uh, so if I can shift gears a little bit to what has happened since I wrote this post about uh, a week ago, um, subsequent to all of this, subsequent to the company saying we will put in controls over Elon Musk's tweets, uh, he has since, his very first tweet after all that was that he tweeted out a music video from the 90s put out by a group called Naughty by Nature, all right, doesn't help. Um, <laughs> for people who might remember it, it's that rap song, OPP. Um, it, good tune. I like it. It was from a group, Naughty by Nature. And he put that out there and you could see it, that that was you know Naughty by Nature right underneath his name. Not conducive to the spirit of this agreement. And then Musk went even further with another tweet where he called the SEC, I think it was the Short Sellers Enrichment Commission, and they're doing a great job. I mean, he's not even thumbing his nose at the SEC. He is directly giving it a middle finger to everyone on Twitter. And this is after the company has said, we're going to bring in some people and tell him to calm down. So I don't know with Elon Musk in particular that this is really sticking, that the what the agreement here is. I mean, technically, they've got 60 days to bring about these controls and these new directors, but you know, that's going to be a long 60 days if this is what we've got to come up with. So, Matt, what I'd really like to, to talk about now is uh, either speculation, rank speculation, or perhaps a philosophical discussion and, uh, along the lines of what is the, not the appropriate remedy, but what's the purpose of an SEC sanction? So if uh, I certainly thought that uh, Musk uh, violated um, – the uh, uh, Securities and Exchange Act with his funding secured statement when he did not have funding secured. So what should be an appropriate remedy? Should he be removed from any 
public uh, company on the board or as a senior executive should be removed for some limited period of time. Does If that remedy is uh, implemented, does that negatively impact the shareholders of Tesla or the corporation itself in a way that it can't make a comeback to? Or is it uh, I think we probably both agree it's time to get in a real professional or adult to run this, but uh, that has consequences as well. Is, is the well, SEC in the in the? I've just, I've just been mulling this question over. Uh, I think for Tesla investors, there probably is no resolution that does not involve some at least short-term pain. However, short-term pain for long-term viability would be worth it. Uh, I look at Elon Musk, and I. To my thinking, he's one of those technology startup visionaries who somehow stumbled into running a large public company. And that's like that's not his role. He does not have the temperament for that. Um, I I think personally that probably the best thing would be for him to step away from being the CEO and perhaps be something like chief technology officer or chief strategy officer or any other number of chief something officers for the technology guys who, and women, but you know, the technology people who build a company at the start, but lack the, the management savvy to run a large organization profitably, or at least on a profit path for the long term. I don't think he can do it. Um, as I say in my post, he reminds me a lot right now of Steve Jobs in his first incarnation running Apple in the 1980s, where brilliant technologists made all sorts of improvements in personal computing design. But I mean, Steve Jobs was also a scatterbrained kind of intellectual train wreck back then, and he was putting Apple through this sort of internal cultural revolution that nobody even really understood. And this was back in the 80s. And so finally, they did bring in a senior chief executive who sat Steve Jobs down and fired him and probably even though Apple then struggled after Steve Jobs left, it was still probably in the best interests because nobody understood what was going on with Apple or what Steve Jobs wanted to do with it. Steve Jobs spent his 40 days in the desert, and then he came back in 1997 as a much more mature and senior and seasoned CEO. And then he became CEO of Apple in 97, and he ran it until his death, and he was brilliant at it then. Um I don't know that Elon Musk is ever going to achieve that sort of wise, seasoned judgment that Steve Jobs did eventually gain. So if it were up to me, I would tell Tesla, you know, take the hit, take him out of an executive management role, but leave him in some sort of key advisory part of the team. That might be the best thing uh, for Tesla. Because it does have a lot of product. It does have a lot of potential. It does have good technology. It does have an avid following. It's it's not like Theranos, which was just all smoke and mirrors under one supposed visionary of Elizabeth Holmes. You know, Theranos was a sham from start to finish. Th Tesla is not a sham. Tesla has real stuff, real products, real customers. You see them driving in the streets. They're nice cars. There's a lot of potential that Elon Musk cannot quite pull out. Because his mind's going a zillion different directions all at once. So, what does a uh, what does the SEC do? Have you, and certainly in your journalism career, seen anyone give such a very public middle finger to the SEC who was not um, actively uh, in the SEC enforcement action? I know Mark Cuban certainly had. Uh, 
comments during his trial, uh, enforcement action and trial. But uh, now we have a purported settlement uh, or a putative settlement. Uh, Anything you can draw upon to uh, indicate what this might, the effect this might have on the SEC? Well, that's a good point, too, because that's the probably the last thorny little issue from this enforcement action. Uh, first, it's funny that you mentioned Mark Cuban, because apparently Mark Cuban called Elon Musk in that 48-hour period where Elon Musk said, no, I am not going to settle. You are going to have to fight me in some sort of iron cage match with the SEC. And Mark Cuban had done that. Uh, so he called Elon Musk up and said, don't do this. Settle now end it or else you're just this is going to be your life for five years and it's not worth it which mark cuban certainly knows uh so elon musk did end it but what was interesting is that jay clayton the sec chairman put out his own statement about this case and this is not to be confused with the official enforcement press release that comes out he clayton put out his own statement saying it is often the case that the interest of ordinary shareholders are intertwined with the interests of offending officials in the company. Um, That is not news. We've heard that before about why would you impose monetary penalties because investors ultimately are the ones who pay for it when they weren't responsible for the misconduct. That's news. I mean, that's not news. But what was news is Clayton said um, these interests are intertwined. For example, the skills and support of certain individuals may be important to the future success of the company. So Clayton was really saying, what's the point in firing Elon Musk? Because if we do, Tesla might go down the toilet and then the investors are still stuck holding the bag. Well, that's an interesting theory. He might not be wrong about Tesla in Elon Musk in particular. But first off, that gave Elon Musk a bright red sign saying, go ahead and give us the finger by tweet because we're not going to fire you. And Elon Musk has been doing that. So now the SEC is kind of humiliated if it does not do something about this. I don't know what, but really, are we going to have Elon Musk continue to to insult the SEC? Um, But then I'm also curious, will Jay Clayton start using this standard on other types of corporate enforcement actions where people are going to start saying, well, you can fire the CEO, but if you do, the company's going to tank and that hurts the investors. So maybe you shouldn't fire the CEO. Well, if we're not firing people and we're not imposing penalties, like how exactly are we handling corporate misconduct and how are we holding executives accountable for misconduct? I don't know. I don't know what Jay Clayton's answer to that would be if we start using the Clayton standard all over the place. And I, I don't think that we should. Well, as always, this is going to be one that I think uh, we're going to follow with a lot of interest, and I'm sure we will both have more to say about it. So, Matt, as always, uh, it's been great. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I've linked in our show notes to blog posts that Matt and I have both written on Elon Musk, Twitter, controls, and compliance. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. Next week, I will post a podcast on my across-the-board feed with Amy Bernard Bone on the corporate governance issues around these same problems. 
This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.